Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habits of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Bus. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. If you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. This edition of Sports Business Radio is presented by Boingo Wireless. Now more than ever, staying connected is what matters most. Email sbradio at boingo.com to find out More about how Boingo can help your venue stay connected. Join venues that are Boingo partners such as Petco Park and State Farm Arena. Visit boingo.com. All right, we've got a great show lined up for you this week. There's a new documentary on HBO coming out called Angel City. Arlene Nelson, the director of Angel City on HBO, And Julie Ehrman, the co-founder and president of Angel City FC, she's joined us before. They're going to join me this week. The docuseries premieres on HBO on May 16th. It's a gripping docuseries that goes behind the scenes and onto the pitch of the groundbreaking Los Angeles professional women's soccer team, Angel City Football Club, pulling back the curtain on the origin story through the 2022 inaugural season of the female-founded and led team. Uh, Natalie Portman, Karen Nortman, and Julie Ehrman are the co-founders of the team. The series reveals the passion and grit needed to build a franchise from scratch and blaze a bold trail in the world of professional sports. I want to remind you, you can listen to all episodes of the Sports Business Radio podcast on Apple or Spotify podcasts. Give us a five-star rating if you enjoy our podcast. Click on the plus sign on our Apple podcast page and follow us for all future episodes. I'm joined in Brian Griggs's home studio. Yes. By executive producer Brian Griggs. This is the first time I'm in the Griggs studios. I am really loving this. Well, thank you for that. And uh, it's well overdue. I mean, we kind of, you know, with the COVID thing, we split to our own worlds. And yeah. You, you were at home and did your traveling. And then I came here and built my own studio and business and everything. And here we are. We're finally in person. Yeah, I like it. I'm giving it a, a five-star rating. <laughs> good. Good. That's good. Get the Yelps out there to uh, to agree with you. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So we got to do this more often now that I've been here. It, it's Kind of in a downstairs location, yep. but very soundproofed and uh, just very cozy and professional looking. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's fun. It was fun setting it up and building it. And uh, yeah, it's great to have you here. And this is uh, this is good. And I'm looking forward to the interviews today because, I mean, Angel City and NWSL is on fire. I mean, they're growing. Great investors with Angel City and uh, the league is just uh, is growing. And it's it's just it's a fun product to watch. I love it. 
Yeah, there's kind of two parts of this week's show. Uh, it's the documentary itself on HBO, and Arlie Nelson, the director, really takes us behind the scenes of that. And frankly, like how to shoot a sports doc, especially with the startup franchise. And then Julie Ehrman, we had Julie and Abby Wambach on in 2020 during the pandemic before Angel City FC had ever played a match. Right. Well, now, fast forward, they've got some matches and some seasons under their belt. What does it look like now? And a lot of people think if you're building a women's professional sports franchise, Angel City FC has kind of laid the blueprint now. Um, they tore up the way things used to be done, and, and they've trailblazed kind of a new way to build a franchise. And uh, I think this documentary does a good job of taking us behind the scenes of what that looks like. And then you've got some sexy owners with this, right? right. Like big names. You've got Natalie Portman. You've got Jennifer Garner, Serena Williams, Billie Jean King, yep. uh, Mia Hamm, like a lot of big names associated with this effort. And I love the fact that it's women led, women founded. And, you know, that's how it should be, I think, with a lot of the, the women's pro sports organizations is let the women lead the way. Yeah. And look, they're in a great market. That doesn't hurt either. I mean, right. you've got a great uh, sports market with a lot of people coming to see games. And uh, yeah, I just, the NWSL has just become such an awesome product. I, I love watching the games. I mean, obviously we're in Portland today. Thorns are just amazing. You got the best player in right. female soccer right now with yep. Sophia. So it's just, uh, uh, it's just fun to watch. And I, I'm enjoying the, uh, just how they're growing. It's fun. All right. Let's look at some headlines before we get to these interviews. The NBA playoffs continue, Griggs. You know, we've talked a lot about Jimmy Butler and the 56-point performance, but oh my gosh, Devin Booker averaging almost 37 points per game, shooting 61% from the field, and the Suns, who were down 0-2 after leaving Denver, now the series is tied at two. It's the best of three. We had the drama of Matt Ishbia, the new owner <laughs> of the Suns, sitting courtside and kind of hanging on to the ball and Jokic coming over and grabbing it from him. And then a little uh, scuffle ensued. You know, as we record this, there's been no suspensions. I wouldn't expect the league to suspend Jokic. If they do, that's ridiculous. Uh, Ishbe even came out on Twitter today saying, like, he should not be suspended. So when the owner of the other yeah. team is saying you shouldn't suspend the player, if the NBA does that now, they're going to look pretty foolish. But it's been a fun series to watch. So many points. Um, you know, you've got Jokic had 53 yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Durant is not shooting a high percentage, but still getting to the line and getting his points. And I mean, it's really interesting because now we've never seen Kevin Durant in this situation, really, where he's not the best player on the team. Mm -hmm. Booker is. So they're doubling Booker and it's leaving Durant wide open. <laughs> and Durant's like, wait a minute. I'm usually <laughs> the guy who's doubled. Exactly. Booker's the one who's doubled, so it's leaving him open. Like, even I saw a clip of Booker saying, why are they leaving him open? Like, when they're leaving KD open, because right. they're coming to double Booker. Well, Booker is, like, on fire. So you've got James Harden, who's not usually a good playoff performer. He hit a big three and had, uh, I think, 42 points, mm -hmm. and he had a big 45-point in game one. So that series is tied at two. The Knicks heat. That looks to be favored Miami. You know, I think Miami and, and Jimmy Butler are just hot right now, which, you know, we're friends with Coach Spo. We've been to Miami. I've known Spo forever. I've worked with Spo. Like, 
if there's a way that they get to the NBA Finals as the eight seed, wow, that's amazing. And it it's definitely Coach Spo's finest coaching season ever. Um, I don't care, you know, the fact that he's got rings. Like this is unbelievable what he's doing with this team. They have seven players on their roster who weren't even drafted, <laughs> undrafted players. Wow, there's no other roster that's doing uh, more with what they have than what he's doing. And it's really interesting, Greg. If you look at like the Heat, Tyler Hero's gone out. The Heat are playing better with the Suns. Chris Paul's gone out. The Suns are playing better. Yeah, like you took these two big names out, and you thought, okay, the Suns and the Heat are going to fall apart now. It's actually been the opposite. So it's been interesting to watch. But uh, NBA playoffs has been fun. Lakers Warriors, um, as we record this, what is that? Two one. Yep. I think Lakers and. You know, I think the Lakers go as AD goes, and AD seems to go every other game. Yeah. He has a good game. So game four, is he going to have a bad game? Right. And then the Warriors tie it at two. But the Warriors know they don't want to go down 3-1 mm-hmm. to the Lakers. And again, we've said this before, in the history of Steph, Dre, Clay, they've only lost to Kawhi and the Raptors in the finals, and LeBron and the Cavs in the finals. They've never lost in the Western Conference playoffs. They're 19-0 and since Kerr took over in 2014. So, you know, history would tell you that they're going to win game four. We're going to tie this up at two. It's going to be probably a seven-game series, but it will be interesting if LeBron and AD, you know, step on the Warriors' neck, put them down 3-1. How does staff and team respond they've never been in that situation in the western playoffs yeah i think uh miami and and the lakers are the two just the shockers i mean look at in january la had no chance the playoffs right. you would never guess they'd be playing right, right how they're playing right now yeah. and then miami of course no clue same they won lost the bubble game or not lost the uh, playing game then they had to play the second game to win to get in i mean it's uh the parody's been fun. I love seeing these teams that are kind of underdogs show up and the stars have showed up. I mean, Jimmy Buckets is just playing out of his yeah. mind. Booker's game is so fun to watch because he used to be the jump shooter only. Right. Like, that's what he did. He'd just yeah. post up and hit the threes or whatever. Now he gets to the rim better than anybody. I mean, his his ability to get in there, hit that little six-foot little fader yeah. and the little runner, he's fun to watch. And I think he is just, uh, he's feeling it. And, I, you know, I love game seven. So I'm, I'm any series that can get tied up all the way to the end, let's go. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you bring up Booker. Like when I watch Booker and Steph, yeah, that's the part they added to their game is For they sure. used to be three-point mid-range. Now they can get to the basket pretty yeah. much whenever they want. And they're both very good passers. Mm-hmm. So they can find the open person. I mean, we saw, what was it, game two, Steph had 20 points and 12 assists. That's great. So yeah, he decided I'm going to be a facilitator more than a shooter because Teams of I can't believe it took this long, but like teams are finally running two guys at staff on almost every play. Yeah. I'm saying we're going to make Jordan Poole beat us, right? Or you know, in game two is we're going to make Clay beat us, and he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've finally said like Steph's not going to be the one to beat us. We've got to get the ball out of his hands. But you know, what adjustment will they make? It seems like Kerr always makes an adjustment when they lose a game and they come back. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. The rest of the way, uh, you know, you know, the TV networks want seven games yeah. if possible, but uh, we'll see. And like you said, so many of the big stars still remain in mm-hmm. the playoffs. So that's good. By the way, Joel Embiid won MVP um, his first. So that was kind of a big deal for he and the Philadelphia 76ers. All right. NHL playoffs. Griggs, you're cracking. 
Love it. They're cracking right now. <laughs> I mean, they beat the Colorado Avalanche, the defending champs in the last round. They are whooping up on Dallas in this round. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw the Las Vegas Knights do this a few years ago where mm-hmm. they're like the new team in the league, but they went all the way. I wonder if the Kraken have it in them. They look like it so far. I tell you, Vegas can win their series and then the Kraken can win. You got a great matchup for the Western Conference wow. right there. The yeah. two expansion teams from yeah. the last couple of years. So, yeah, I'm loving I love NHL hockey. The playoffs are great. Seattle's such a good market. Like, why has there not been an NHL team there? It's just it just yeah. it blows my mind. I mean, yeah. that crowd is insane and their marketing's great. I went to a game this year. What a great arena. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a great experience and I love watching playoff hockey. So, and it seems like playoff hockey tends to take a lot of game sevens too. So we'll see if, uh, if hopefully my Kraken can close it out before we get to seven, but uh, I don't want to, I don't want to have to win in Dallas on game seven, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I think the Kraken have some of the best branding yes. of any pro sports team, not just the NHL. Like they got it right yeah. with their branding and their colors and it just all looks really great. And you see how like the Mariners and the Seahawks have embraced them. Right. Um, I love when the other teams in the same market get behind the team that's doing sure. well. So that's been fun to watch. And yeah, just overall, the NHL playoffs are, are doing really well. They're up with the TV ratings. Um, so yeah, we'll see. All right. Our one last headline. This is a weird one. Alabama's baseball coach, Brad Bohannon, was fired on Thursday. And you may go, well, who cares? And <laughs> only people you know, care about football at Alabama. Right. Well, look, betting has become legal in in many, many states now. And a lot of people have asked, like, how are you going to regulate this? How are you going to make sure that no one's on the take? And it's so prevalent now, like, can a coach or a player or a referee influence a game? We remember the Tim Donaghy scandal several years ago in the NBA. And, um, a lot of people said at the time, like as betting was becoming legal, like who are the easiest people to influence? <laughs> it's probably the college athlete, right? Yeah. The kid who's getting little to no money. Yes, you're getting scholarship money, but someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm going to give you $10,000 or $5,000 to you know, strike out or to miss an open jumper or to overthrow a receiver or whatever. Like they're probably more impressionable than... Mm-hmm pro athlete who's making lots and lots of money and says, oh, I'm making millions. You'd have to pay me a lot of money in order to influence the outcome of a game. The college athletes, especially college baseball players, they're not making a lot of money. (laughs) So this story is odd because um, basically the Crimson Tide were playing LSU and some big bets came in at a sports book. And this is like regular season college baseball. This isn't college World Series. Mm-hmm. And even then, there's not a lot of gambling on college baseball. So when you see bets that kind of like raise your eyebrow and you go, huh, wait a minute here. <laughs> Why is someone betting this amount of money on a college baseball game? The alarms go off. And they tracked it back and they found that there had been some communication between this better, who, by the way, bet on LSU. and the coach at Alabama. This is really bad. Hmm. And Alabama is a major football program and a major sports program. Their basketball team was really good this year. So this isn't like, you know, uh, McNeese state or Chico (laughs) state or like, this is Alabama. So you wonder, you know, can the NCAA do anything? 
Can the SEC do anything? Like, how are you going to regulate this? How are you going to educate the athletes, especially the college ones? Like, you might be approached by people who want you to influence the outcome of the game. Right. And in this case, it looks like it started with the coach, which is very alarming because, you know, coaches who are adults are supposed to know better. But, you know, I think this is a story because you wonder what the education is going to be going forward. And then also uh, just how do you regulate mm -hmm. college athletes and, and make sure that they're not influencing the outcome of the game? Like this would be very easy to look at. Okay. I'm going to bet on LSU. I'm going to talk to Alabama's coach and I'm going to say, you know what? Don't play your best game today or, you know, take this pitcher out early, even if he's doing well or talk to these players and have them take some pitches and strike out. Like, there's so many different ways that you could influence the outcome of the game and, and really do it in a way where probably no one would have noticed. Yeah. But when you see the big bets come in in a random sports book, you're like, wait a minute, this is college baseball. It's the middle of the regular season. Like, why are we seeing wagers of this amount of money being bet? Yeah, that's where it just seems kind of odd to me. Like, you'd think these people would think about that before doing it, right? Like, like you said, I mean, it's college baseball in the middle of the season. Who cares? You're not going to have major bets going on. It's easier to hide this stuff in an NFL game or an NBA game where there's money flowing all the time. But uh, red flags, hello, you know, all of a sudden this random game gets bets on. So weird that they thought these guys got together and thought, yeah, we'll slide it through just fine. I don't. Their conversation would have been interesting because I don't understand why that they would think that would pass through. I don't know. I don't know. I think most cheaters and criminals, they always think they're going to get away yeah, with it, yeah, right? True. And and in this case, they probably think we're so obscure. Yeah. Like we're college <laughs> yeah. baseball. No one's paying attention. That's true. No one's going to know that someone put a big bet down in a sports book. I think it was in Cincinnati wow. where they put the money down. So like, you know, far away from yeah, Alabama and from yeah. LSU, not in the same state. And you're like, wait a minute, why is this person putting this amount of money down on a college baseball game? So it's something to watch. You know, does this kind of pick at the scab and then there's a much bigger problem in college sports, maybe sports in general. But we knew when sports was sports betting was going to be more legalized, mm -hmm. there was the chance that stuff like this could happen. Right. And you wonder like who are the watchdogs going to be <laughs> and how are they going to keep this pure and clean? And again, the athletes that are most susceptible to fixing a game are probably the college athletes because they're not making very much money unless you're, you know, Livy Dunn or yeah. uh, someone like that or Brawny James, who, by the way, is going to USC. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not making very much money. So if someone comes to you with a decent amount of money, oh, I could probably get away with it. No one's going to notice it's college baseball. Like I can see how someone would think that. But the coach is gone. There's going to be a further investigation, and it's going to be interesting to see where this lands. But the bigger picture, like I said, is who's going to be the watchdogs of uh, college sports to make sure this doesn't happen in the future. Well, I was going to say, too, like, as we talk about with other leagues, what's the punishment? What's the standard for punishment? You know, coaches get fired. What if a player gets caught? What happens to them? So I, that's always interesting to see, too, what these leagues, you know, drum up as far as punishments for these kind of things. And it's all new. It's a new landscape with the NIL and the betting and all that stuff. It's that is kind of fascinating to me to see how the punishments come down with different players and coaches. Well, I mean, look, Shoeless Joe Jackson, Pete Rose, like this used to be looked at as like the worst crime you could right. commit if right. you were an athlete. Yeah. Now it's a little harder 
for the leagues to be hypocritical about this because they're all in bed with a casino or betting company right. of some kind. Right. So it's like, okay, you opened up Pandora's box, which I don't think is bad, but how are you going to watchdog this? That's what's going to be, I think, the difficult thing. And again, this is kind of the first, uh, you know, thing that we've seen mm -hmm. with a major college program where you're like, okay, <laughs> there might be a problem here. And what are they going to do about this going forward? Griggs, uh, we are headed to Los Angeles this week, and we're going to record some interviews as part of the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. We're going to be at the Sports Lawyers Association Conference in L.A. I've been to that conference before. I mean, lots of the most powerful sports lawyers in the world attend that conference. We're going to sit down with some of them. So many different topics to cover, whether it's NIL or sports media rights. I mean, there's just a million things. Like, I always joke, if you want to find out where the trail leads on a deal, just talk to the sports lawyers. Yeah. Like, they're the ones who are negotiating <laughs> right, everything. Right. They have all of the information. And I think, you know, we may find some interesting conversations at the event. And, um, you know, certainly Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment is a partner of ours. They're a partner on the Sports Lawyers Association Conference. So, um, and we'll be right next to, what is it? Crypto.com yeah. Arena now. So there might even be, what, game six, six going on or something. Yeah. We might have to like, uh, you know, sneak in the back door I or think something. So. Yeah. yeah. We'll like, <laughs> just, it's literally right across the street. I love it. Yeah. So, hey, you know, we travel well, right? We're having fun. We love LA. It's a great city. So it'll be fun to be down there. I've never been to the conference. So looking forward to a new conference for me. And uh, it's just fun to go down there and get some audio and hang out with some good people and meet some new people and, uh, you know, hang out in LA. I'm looking forward to it. And I know you're going to demand in and out while we're there. <laughs> well, we have to probably hit it, right? A double-double. Of course. <laughs> in and out uh, I don't know that we're going to be able to get to Cantor's Deli. That's right. another one of your favorites Hankos. that I introduced you. Hanko's. That's probably going to be too far. Yeah, too that's far. That's more in uh, Playa del Rey, right. where I went to college at Loyola Marymount. But uh, I think we can find an in and oh, out sure. and, and get that done. Yep. Um, I gave out some good advice. I'll give it to you as well. Yeah. Uh, there's the whole secret menu with in and out Right. So my nephew, Logan, actually clued me into this uh, a few months back. So like, I never really liked the fries at In-N-Out because okay. I like a crispier fry. Right. So he's like, order them well done. <laughs> and it's it's been game changing for me. <laughs> well done fries. I love it. They're not soggy. They're not soft. They're, okay. they're like really crispy. And and I'm like, okay, I totally down with the In-N-Out fries now. I there wasn't before, but well done. Did you know that you can order the Neapolitan shake? No. Not on the menu. Nice. But you can get all the flavors okay. in one. Um, I go protein style with my hamburger now, so no bun. Right. I just have the lettuce yep. wrapped around it. There's animal style. There's there's so many different hidden I menu items. So we might have to have uh, <laughs> a little uh, live video or reel yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and put it on. Uh, Colby Ackerman, our new social media guru, um, will be happy that we're creating some content for sure, but we can give our listeners some insight into in and out. And I know there's a debate with all the hamburger places, but I really like in and out. Me too. They're not a sponsor of this show, but I, I'm just a fan of uh, their hamburgers. I went to school in SoCal. So like, you know, I kind of became familiar with, uh, in and out. Yeah, it's uh it's always a fun trip. We both gain about 10 pounds, but, uh, you know, it's good. We'll, we'll get on the Peloton when we get back, right? Exactly. <laughs> 
All right, coming up next, Arlene Nelson and Julie Ehrman. We're going to discuss the new HBO documentary, Angel City. It premieres on HBO and HBO Max on May 16th. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives And the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Arlene Nelson. She is the director of Angel City. It debuts on May 16th on HBO and HBO Max. Arlene, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. So I have screened the docuseries. I love it. Um, Tell us, first of all, how did you get involved with this project? So I've been a documentary filmmaker for many years. I've done stories on culture, um, uh, society. I follow artists. Um, and, and, and then recently I did a documentary filming. Uh, I was a cinematographer on Reggie, um, a baseball documentary. So I love sports documentaries. I think they have this intrinsic drama to them built in. And then I love this particular story because it's an origin story and of three passionate women. So anytime I get stories on, you know, protagonists that have passion and grit, I'm in. So I got the call and I downloaded everything I could about soccer and off we went. So let me ask you this before we get into this specific project. Is there a general theme for shooting sports? I mean, this is probably different than shooting something else. When you go into it as the director, what are kind of the the do's and don'ts of shooting sports? Well, there's quite a few because when you have that time period where the the athletes are training, that sort of one space. But then once the games get underway, you're in a whole other space, right? So everything sort of becomes heightened and 
uh, you know, the most important thing for us was gaining trust. And I think that in a sports documentary, you have so many people and so many varying, you know, um, thoughts about how things should be. And so you're gaining the trust of not just like, like one or two or three subjects, but you're gaining the trust of over 40 people. Yeah. And you've got, you know, Natalie Portman and Jennifer Garner and Jessica Chastain. I mean, some of the A-listers of Hollywood who are part of the ownership group. So this isn't your typical documentary. You've got a lot of people from the industry who are part of this venture. That's right. I mean, I think one of the things that makes this an extraordinary story is that you have three women initially coming together from different industries right? You have Natalie Portman from the entertainment industry, then Karen Nortman from the um, financial sector, and then Julie Ehrman from the gaming um, industry. And so, you know, you have the three of them coming together in this sort of unexpected way um, and have this desire to make a difference. And they come in wanting to change the status quo because they take a look at the landscape and feel like, hey, we've got to get fans in the stands. We've got to elevate the game. We've got to, you know, get the women athletes, pro athletes, what they deserve. Yeah, I think one of the things that you did a really nice job of with this docuseries is Angel City FC has really changed the blueprint for how a women's professional sports team is built and how it operates. And I thought you did a great job of capturing that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, it starts with the three initial founders, but also they have 14 U.S. women national team players on, you know, as as owners. Um, the, so there's a lot of like guidance and leadership there that, you know, is then and and then you have Kara Nortman like asking all the tough questions of why are things done this way? and why don't we ever, you know, give gate revenue? Like they're just questioning why things have been the way they are. And so I think we learn and we see how the league sort of does this transformation of, you know, not just surviving, but they see that they can be thriving as well. And I think that from the beginning to the end, you kind of like also get a sense of that from the league, um, which is really exciting. Yeah, I thought you did a good job of that. The league went through a lot of change. And it was like you said, uh, the Angel City FC crew came in and kind of questioned everything. Like, why have we been doing it this way? Why isn't it being done differently? And then, you know, you had some uh, changes with the commissioner and there were some things that were pretty uh, groundbreaking that took place during the filming of this documentary. And I thought you did a good job of capturing all of that change. Yeah, thank you. I think, you know, I mean, one of the things uh, that I love about sports stories is that there is sort of like this springboard into all of these issues. You know, you've got like economic issues, you've got gender equality issues. Um, you know, I think that that's what's kind of really exciting about a sports story, right? Not only do you have like the heart pounding excitement of the game itself, 
and, you know, the victories and the losses, which is inherently dramatic. But then you have the lens of society that you can kind of, you know, look at that prism through. Yeah. And another thing that really I thought lent well to this documentary is, you know, they put in all of this work. And if you go play the games and there's 500 people in the stands, that's one thing. But when you draw 19,105 fans to every game, it really lent to the energy of the docuseries. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when we would travel, we I read this term a writer wrote the Angel City effect. When we would travel um, to games, more attendance would occur in those games mm -hmm. than the no normal season games. So, um, so it was coined the Angel City effect, and we felt that wherever we went. But I think also it's important for the founders of Angel City that they want all the boats to rise. So they they want. They want not only to fill the stands at Angel City, but they want to fill the stands for all the games. And I think that the more you do that, and average attendance went up 22% last year, and that's extraordinary. And it's just going to continue to grow. And now with the new commissioner, Jessica Berman, you know, that's uh, on the forefront of her mind. It's like I said, it's no longer just surviving. It's about thriving. Right. Yeah, like I said, I, I feel like this docuseries showed like we're changing the blueprint for how to build a women's pro sports franchise. And we've seen you know, the women's final four. We've got women's World Cup coming up like women's sports, like you said, isn't just surviving. It's thriving. And the people who were part of this venture, you know, it's like a stock. They got in early and they got in, I think, when it was undervalued. And now it's like, OK, look at the value of you know not only angel city fc but the nwsl and women's sports in general i kind of felt that when i watched this too is these people got in at the right time oh yeah they sure did um i love that you know alexis ohanian coming in right and he just saw like as the lead investor and he just saw that growth potential just was enormous and it is extremely an exciting place to be. I think it's a watershed moment for women's sports. All right. I always love to ask this to filmmakers. Um, how many hours were left on the cutting room floor? <laughs> uh, gosh, I, I think about 90 hours. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that seems to be the common thread with so many of the filmmakers that I've interviewed over the years is you could almost make another documentary or two with the footage that's left on the cutting room floor. Absolutely. I say that we could have had 10 episodes and it was a real challenge to whittle it down to three and make sure that we were telling the most cohesive story. And really, we went micro and macro at the same time. And it was absolutely a challenge, but wanted to do this story justice. All right. Last question for you. What do you want viewers to take away when they watch this docuseries? That professional female sports is incredibly exciting and incredibly important. And it is something that is done for everyone, not just the women, 
and that it's of value. Great. Well, Arlene, congratulations on this project. Uh, like I said, I've screened it. Love it. Um, I have a daughter. I hope she watches it. And, how how uh, old is your daughter? She's 18. Oh, she's perfect age. Yeah. Yeah. So where are I, you? I'm in Portland, Oregon. Oh, oh okay. So the Thorns. So, I mean, I've been to many a Thorns game and they, you know, have drawn great attendance for many years as well. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, Soccer City, well, USA. I yeah, as in the documentary, we show that Portland Thorns are the standard, you know? They they really were something that Julie Ehrman looked up to and vi visited up there and got a sense to see how important the fans are and, you know, how you draw them in and why it was so exciting there versus other places in the country that weren't pulling in those numbers. So Portland Thorns, very exciting team. Well, Arlene, thank you so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio and best of success to you in the future. Thank you so much for having me. There's nothing common about you, not your talent, your drive, your achievements, or even your challenges. You need distinctive financial strategies that match your lifestyle and career trajectory. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment was created to address your specific needs at every stage of your career and deliver the financial education and strategies you need to help advance your game plan. They speak the language, they know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. That's morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Julie Ehrman. She is the co-founder and president of Angel City FC of the NWSL. Julie has joined me on this show before. She joined me back in 2020 with Abby Wambach. That was a pleasure to kind of preview how things were going to go. But now, Julie, a few years later, Oh my gosh, a lot has happened since the last time we spoke. A lot has happened. Uh, we're actually in our second season of kicking a, a soccer ball on the pitch. That's amazing. And you guys have really laid the blueprint on how to build a sports organization and especially in a crowded marketplace like Los Angeles. Before we talk about the documentary on HBO, what are some of your general takeaways of the first two seasons? Just things that, you know, went as planned or things that were curveballs? Look, I think the most important thing is the need to build an incredible team. Um, we have an incredible team off the pitch and on the pitch that believes in our mission, which is really to drive to equity. You know, having that bigger goal um, makes a significant difference in, you know, how we build the organization, the decisions that we make, where we invest our money. From the beginning, Angel City has been about having a positive impact in our community, setting higher expectations for our players on and off the pitch, and ultimately to shine a light on these incredible athletes on this global sport to really not only drive to equity, but also prove that women's sports is incredible and investable. And when you have a bigger goal, more than just winning and losing a soccer match, um, you can achieve so much more. 
Yeah, it wasn't lost on me in the documentary. Um, lots of changes going on with the league as well. And it struck me that your group came in and asked a lot of questions and they were needed. And why are we doing this a certain way? Why has this been the status quo? Why are we not doing it this way? Um, how was that? I mean, I, I think you guys are responsible for a lot of change, positive change that has taken place in the NWSL. Well, I wasn't anybody's favorite person in the boardroom. That's <laughs> for sure. I mean, when Angel City entered the NWSL, this was the third iteration of Professional Women's Soccer League. And they were going into their eighth year. So the good news was we had surpassed the length of the previous two leagues um, that only made it three years. So there was some stability as related to that. But it did feel like the league was just trying to exist, right? Not necessarily trying to grow, um, not trying to grow our audience, not trying to grow our revenue potential, not trying to build the brand of NWSL, let alone these players. But it was this idea that, well, if if the fans aren't showing up, we can't invest because then we're just going to lose money. And we really approached it from a different point of view, knowing that the audience was there and saying, we're going to build an incredible experience. We're going to um, have a bigger mission and we're going to bring the best players in the world to, to, to Angel City. And the result of that is going to be revenue. The result of that is going to be um, fans in the stadium. And I think having that mentality in the boardroom early on was a real struggle because we hadn't built anything yet. We hadn't done it yet. And so there was a lot of, well, you'll see. It's harder than you think. Um, and a lot of, we tried this and it didn't work, or we tried that and it didn't work. And we just believed that we would execute differently. Um, we had a different strategy we were building with the community. And so we pushed a lot on the rules um, and the guidelines in the league because some of them just didn't make sense. You know, at the, the, the rules and the regulations did not evolve as the sport evolved, did not evolve as the league evolved. And the only way to make the change was both to question it and push up against it as much as possible. And sometimes when we felt we were in the right um, to go past the line, to really see what happened, because uh, a lot of times you'd get presented with, well, the unintended consequences of something, right? Or the perception that it would have a negative impact. And sometimes we want to prove um, the alternative to that. Yeah. I mean, look, the proof is in the pudding. 19,105 fans per game or per match. Uh, incredible. Uh, you guys are giving 10% of all sponsorships back to the community. That's something that not many organizations are doing. Um, and again, you're in a competitive landscape there in Los Angeles, but you're thriving. And you really have found a marketplace for, for what you're doing. How important do you think it's been to have some very high profile owners as part of your group? Uh, Serena Williams, obviously Natalie Portman, yourself, Kara Nortman, Abby Wambach, Billie Jean King, Jennifer Garner, Jessica Chastain, Eva Longoria, like the list goes on and on. And you hear, oh my gosh, all these people are coming together for the common good it's got to give it a lot of credibility. Well, it's both credibility and attention. So like, Brian, what you just said, it's like all these incredible women, athletes, actresses, business people are coming together supporting Angel City. The first question you want to ask is why, right? Right. And so what it does is 
it builds attention and awareness for Angel City that we can now tell our story to hopefully drive revenue, which will then drive impact into our communities, into our players, and into the sport. You know, they have much larger platforms in the, individually, let alone collectively, than Angel City does, right? So if I can leverage their social network, their platform, their megaphone to tell the story about Angel City, a club that's building it differently, leading with passion and purpose to drive to profitability, highlighting the best female athletes in the world, in the global sport, you might pay attention. And you might pay attention not because you're a soccer fan or not because you're a women's sports fan. You may just be a fan of Natalie Portman and interested in the things that she supports because your values align. Now you find out she's is a co-founder of this women's professional soccer team in LA. And you start to find out about Angel City and you realize that your values align with Angel City. Now you're a fan. And now I can you to a game, try to sell you a t-shirt, right? Try to get you to come to one of our volunteer impact events. And that's how we grow the community. So what was is so special about this ownership group is, you know, they signed on in 2020. They signed on before we had a name before we had a location, before we had a single fan, and before we had a single player. They believed in this mission of driving to equity and using sports to bend the curve towards gender equity. They believed in wanting to have a positive impact in a community with everything we did. And they believed that we could use sports and entertainment as a vehicle to do that. And winning on the pitch would allow us the opportunity to achieve our goals. And so them signing on so early also, to your point, validates what we're doing because they believed before the product was even real. Okay, the HBO documentary comes out on May 16th. I've had a chance to screen it. I think it's fantastic. Why did you decide to do a documentary that really showed the nuts and bolts of how you built this? Because we wanted a playbook that others could follow and build mm -hmm. upon. Mm -hmm. And we started building Angel City Football Club. There was nobody out there that looked at like us. There was no organization that three female founders, let alone three female founders that didn't have much or any experience in sports other than playing it, right, in high school and college. There was no example of an ownership group that was built like a startup where you would invest in your success versus, you know, having capital calls. Um, there wasn't uh, a, 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 an ownership group of, you know, 100 investors versus just a single family, right? And the idea of bringing diversity into the boardroom and diversity into the ownership group in the way that we did. And so everything that we did was a first. Um, and by doing the documentary, we want to be able to show that it's possible to build a sports organization a different way. It's possible to lead with mission and purpose, but also to have a goal to be profitable and make money. It's possible to build a club with your community, with community in mind. Um, and it also allowed us the ability, to, again, to highlight these incredible women who are the best at what they do in the global sport of football. And so we wanted to tell the story of building it differently to inspire others, but also to continue to build attention and awareness for this incredible sport and for women's sports so that we can get to pay equity at some point in time for these women. Um, the documentary, I think, is an incredible job at telling the story of the business of building a team, but also... What, what the coaches had to go through and what the players had to go through and recognizing that they're building Angel City um, and what they do on the pitch is as important as what they do off the pitch. Yeah, I love the documentary because it showed some of the growing pains. 
but it also showed, you know, the strategies. And like one of the things that you guys are doing that I didn't even know you were doing is I think there's some revenue sharing with the players, right? So they share in the success of how many tickets you sell and sponsorships. And, you know, they're they're kind of a partner with you on this. And that just wasn't happening in women's sports. And and frankly, in a lot of sports, period, I know there's unions for a lot of these leagues. Um, but that's something that's even new in the NWSL. A union didn't exist. There wasn't a firm collective bargaining agreement last time we spoke. Now, Jessica Berman is the commissioner. Some of those things have changed. But you guys have really done some trailblazing things with this team. We have. Uh, we, we signed The league signed their first CBA collective bargaining agreement um, 10 years into the league. So last year in 2022, in fact, the deal got signed at Angel City's home opener with Megan Burke, um, who represents the NWSLPA, and Jessica Berman, the commissioner. Um, but we, to your point, we created something called the Fan Field Program, where 1% of our net gate receipts go to our players who use their platforms to promote ticket sales. And it really is the result of two things. One is, I believe we all want to get female athletes to pay equity. We all want them to make the money they deserve. But at the end of the day, it's a business. And the business has to grow so that I can pay the players what they need and also have a sustainable business. And the reality is fans play a role in that. If you want to get to pay equity for the players, you have to buy tickets and then you have to go to the game and you pay for parking and concessions and merchandise. And that fuels the engine that not only allows me to pay the players, but it fuels our impact engine as well. And so what we wanted to say to the fans are, if you care about getting to pay equity for these players, you play a meaningful role and it's as simple as buying a ticket. And if you buy a ticket, part of that will go to the players so that you are helping drive the conclusion that you wanted, which is pay equity. We also wanted to say the same thing to the players. We need the business to grow. Your followership is greater than the followership of Angel City. If, if Kristen Press says to their her fans, hey, come watch me play, they are more likely to come to an Angel City match than if Angel City tells an individual to come, right? So what we said was, look, your platform is valuable. If you use your name, image, and likeness to support selling tickets, we're going to make you a part of that. Um, and it's been incredible. Our All of our athletes have um, joined the program from day one. You can see it every game, you know, telling their fans to come and, and putting up a Ticketmaster link. It's as simple as that. Um, and uh, we get to make a difference. Yeah, it's great. Was there anything with the documentary that you especially wanted to highlight? You're like, I really want to make sure that we show this as part of the docuseries. I think it was important to show that there's always another day <laughs> right? Hmm. You're building, everything you're doing is building for that home opener, right? You want right. to come out the gates as strong as possible. You want to build the best fan experience, the most memorable fan experience. And you want to win on the pitch. You want everyone to feel like a winner who supported Angel City. Uh, and we did that. But then there's a, the day after the home opener and you have to build for the next game and the game after that. And I think what I wanted people to see is that, you know, the work doesn't stop. In fact, it arguably gets harder because now you have expectations that you have to build against. And everything works if you're creating the most amazing experience and you're driving that revenue. And I really wanted to highlight the incredible people that have worked for years to build Angel City a different way. And they built it a different way because our, our vision and our passion, our commitment to that was unwavering. Um, and so I was so pleased that 
You were able to see all the hard work of my team, the hard work of Freya and her coaching staff to build a club with such incredible expectations of these celebrity owners of LA, the sports capital of the world, and then of the players feeling that sense of responsibility to their fans, but also to the community and then to my team and the ownership group, right? Um, and that's what I love about the documentary is that you get to see it from everybody's point of view. And uh, I really hope everyone becomes a fan of Angel City when this is over because uh, we put on a great, great product on and off the pitch. And it's an incredible team of people. I mean, when Abby was on with us a couple of years ago, she said flat out, she goes, I don't put my name on, you know, any organization unless it's a championship organization. Like I'm used to being a winner and winning organizations. And everyone associated with this has been very successful. So that had to have been a lot of pressure because these people are not used to failing. They're only used to succeeding. So it probably brought a lot of great ideas, but it probably came with a lot of pressure too. There's no question. Um, I mean, Natalie Portman is your co-founder. We have Eva Longoria, Jessica Chastain, Billie Jean King, right? Right. Abby and, you know, Mia Hamm and Julie Foudy and my whole team took a you know, great sense of responsibility because we wanted to add value to them and and we wanted them to partner with us and, and promote Angel City and drive attention and awareness for Angel City. And it's hard to ask them to do that if you're not succeeding. And it's hard to ask them to do that if you make bold statements and you don't achieve them. And so not only did we feel an incredible responsibility to the community to build this in a right way that it's reflective of them, but also to our ownership group so that we added to their value. And then in turn, they want to continue to promote and support Angel City. And, and that's why we talk so much about mission and capital, because we want people to know that we walk the talk, that we do not sacrifice one for the other, that the decisions that we make are not only for the sport, but for the community. And if you're thoughtful and do it the same way together and you share your values it gives you permission to try new things. It sort of gives you permission to fail. And when you take a misstep, which is inevitable, at least your community understands what you are trying to accomplish. And there's a little bit of forgiveness as you find your footing. Before I let you go, I know we still have a long way to go with the growth of women's sports, but it does seem to be trending in the right direction. I look at the women's final four. I know we have women's world cup coming up. Uh, we have equal pay with U.S. Women's National Team. Finally, there are some things where we're seeing some progress from where you sit. How are we doing? We're doing a lot better. I mean, it's almost like a record's getting broken every day. Hmm. You had Arsenal playing Wolfsburg at Emirates yesterday in the Champions League, and they had 60,000 fans. Yeah, I saw that. FIFA saying... If the European countries don't increase their bid for the media rights for the World Cup, they may not get them. And what's so important about that is we are finally acknowledging our value and demanding it. We're not settling it. We're not saying thank you. You know, we're demanding our value. And you're seeing it across the board. You know, we sold, we've sold out two of our three home matches this year, right? It's, the growth is there. The visibility is there. People are starting to talk about it, which is great. And it's not a one and done. It's happening every single weekend. You know, you said the, the NCAA basketball tournament was incredible. When Iowa won, the next day, they sold so many more tickets to their season that they had to stop taking reservations because they didn't have the seats, right? It's You're starting to see it in every women's sport. 
You're starting to see attendance records getting broken. You're seeing media rights deals go up and up and up. Um, so we're in a good place. To your point, we're not where we want to be, but we're starting to, it's a movement and it's picking up steam. I mean, I think the the number that Abby used when she was on last time was 4% of the overall investment is all that goes to women's sports. Has that gone up at all? So <clears throat> I think she meant, I think she said 4% of all media coverage okay. is for women's sports. And I believe it's still about the same, but I'll give you a, an example. So the 2019 Women's World Cup had 1.12 billion viewers. They are projecting that this summer's World Cup will be over 2 billion, right? So the growth is there. We do need to tell the story more because when you tell the story, it not only justifies the valuation, but it allows us to drive for more and more value. But if more organizations like Angel City and in this case FIFA demand the value, you know, regular media is going to have to start paying attention. Having said that, you have great organizations like Just Women's Sports and Women's Sports Network and The Gist that are starting to create content around women's sports and they are picking up steam. Together is growing exponentially as far as the storytelling that they're they're around women athletes and women's sports. So there are more people telling our stories and it's just going to grow. Well, I got to tell you, you've done an amazing job. I know it's a whole team of people. We see it in the documentary. But uh, I would imagine you have organizations all over the world calling you and saying, can you share some of the blueprint on how you built this? Because you really built something special. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And we're happy to take every one of those phone calls. <laughs> Julie Ehrman, the co-founder and president of Angel City FC, continued success to you. Thank you. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Your fantasy leagues might be over, but you can still play fantasy sports games on Underdog Fantasy. I love playing Pick'em and Rivals. With Pick'em, you can pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You can win 20 times your money in a single night. You pick between two and five players to build a pick'em entry. Also, rivals pits two players against each other. That's a lot of fun, too. It could be two players on the same team. It could be two players from other teams. Points, rebounds, fantasy points. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying that with NBA games, especially right now. Sign up today with promo code SBR and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with my promo code SBR, like Sports Business Radio, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 plus and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, Colby Ackerman, and from our friends at CG Sports, CG Young and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. 
This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.